Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast of Do You Know the Mob? I'm your co-host, Samuel Bren, and uh, over there, looking pretty as ever, is the one and only Brandon Ellis, folks. Glad to be back. Brand dog. It has been a hot minute. Uh, I've heard you've joined the pickleball cult. It has been. There's been a development as hot as the Southwest United States right now. Pickleball <laughs> is all the rage. You know, I can play in the Southeast, but the Southwest has been, uh, it's brutal over there. It's brutal. <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine how hot Alabama is. I don't even want to know how hot Phoenix is right now. I did go to Phoenix once in August years ago, and I had jet lag, so I got up and ran at 4 a.m., and I remember it being really hot for 4 a.m., <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? <laughs> Glad I'm running now. <laughs> well, our thoughts go out to you, Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, have uh, I was wondering, I want your opinion on if I should get a tattoo. Should I get a tattoo? Mm. Well... It has to be tasteful, Sam. What are you thinking? Well, speaking of tasteful, I was thinking about getting a llama. It's like my spirit animal, you know? <laughs> what do you think about a llama on, like, my my left calf? What do you think of that? Make him, make him flex a little bit? <laughs> I think it'd be good. I think you need to do some, like, racing stripes on him so he's, like, going fast along, like he's sprinting. Now, the question is, do I do it before or after getting married? <laughs> oh, 100% before, but don't let NC know about until the honeymoon. The night before the wedding, we go in, <laughs> we go out to the town, and we get a few drinks. Before you know it, we're at the tattoo parlor. <laughs> Why is Sam limping on his way down the aisle? <laughs> Sam, if you got it, if you, I will, I will pay for you to get a llama tattoo. Ooh. Me and the girls will pay for you. I bet you could pit, get people to pitch in on that. Go fund oh, me. I know <laughs> I could get it done for you. By the way, speaking of tattoos, got to give a shout out to my softball teammate Jenny. She's been watching all our episodes, and she's the one who gave us the Phoenix City episode. And I said, speaking mm-hmm. of tattoos, because she's got some sick tattoos. So shout out to Jenny. <laughs> Shout out to Jenny. She has Do You Know the Mob tattoo on her left <laughs> Dude, what would it take to get someone to put Do You Know the Mob tattoo? <laughs> Use I'm totally gonna, logo. I'm going to bring that up to her uh, next time I see her. By the way, we won our softball game. Very rare. <laughs> so okay. we'll take it. Probably the second win of the season going into the tournament. A nice, a nice eight seed out of eight. <laughs> Oh, man. Wild, wild. Now, Sam, does our trivia question for the day have to do with softball? Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, good, good. Yeah, but we shall get into our trivia. I know it's Brandon's favorite part. It's my favorite Mm. part to see him uh, when he fails, more or less. (laughs) I think my best is a 70, maybe 80%. Yeah, I mean, some of these are tougher than others, but we'll give it our best shot. Brandon, one time we did Roman gods. This time we're going to do the Greek gods, all right? So we're going to see your Greek mythology. We're going to see your social studies come in use. All right, Brandon. So I'm going to give you the uh, what the god or goddess it means, and you have to give me the name, okay? Remember, think Greek. Think Greek. Not Roman. Even That's right. When in Rome. Yeah. All right. I'll I'll toss you an easy one. King of all the gods. Who is the king of all the gods? Zeus. Yeah. Attaboy. Should we quit now? 
<laughs> yep, let's quit now. That was good, guys. All right, God of the Sea. God of the Sea. Neptune. I think that might be... Uh, that may that's be the incorrect. Roman god. Uh, oh. Poseidon. 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 Neptune. Mm-hmm. No, Neptune's a god. No, it's Mars got a word. One of those gods a word. Okay. Uh, goddess of Wisdom. Goddess of Wisdom. Mm. I feel that some of these are going to be like, oh, I knew that, but it, or I knew that name. I know it's not right, but we're, let's go with Helena. It's Athena. Athena. Uh, <laughs> so you're dang. good. Uh, God of the Sun. I believe in you. God of the Sun. Is it Mars? It's not Mars. Is think it... of uh, think of rocket ships or space shuttles. Mm. Houston, we have a problem. I uh, know. Alice is the podcast on this too, and I cannot remember the name of the mission. It's uh, something thirteen. Uh, Apollo. Just... Apollo. 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 Apollo thirteen. You knew it. You knew it. Uh, let's do the God of War, which I could be wrong. I think Roman, that might be Pluto, but Greek. Is it Mars? Uh, Ares. Ares. Mars, I think, is Roman. Ares. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. These are going to be a little tougher. The goddess of fertility. The goddess of fertility. (laughs) (laughs) So I know from my reading, there's quite a few temples dedicated to this. But uh, I cannot okay. remember her name. Um, <laughs> it starts with a D. Davina? Uh, Demeter? I probably pronounced Demeter. that wrong. <laughs> and then the goddess of love, which is not Venus, because I think that's the Roman one. But for Greek, the goddess of love. Uh, uh, Valentine? That's the saint. That's a saint. I don't uh, remember. Give it to me. After. A- Aphrodite? Oh, Aphrodite! <laughs> An aphrodisiac is something that is uh, seductive food. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right, three, uh, three tough ones here. The god uh, that is the messenger. The god that is the messengers. Starts with an H. Hermes? Hey, Brandon, all right. Man. How are you getting the tough ones? <laughs> all right, this one, I don't even know if I can pronounce it, but we'll go with it. The blacksmith god. The blacksmith because oh, oh, when you're oh. a blacksmith you need to be praying to the god someone's gotta make the swords uh what's the first letter starts with h <laughs> hammer <laughs> uh it is f ephestus i should have done this one <laughs> we should have had uh, the uh, pronunciation <laughs> yeah these are tougher than I thought. And then the last one, the god of wine. The god of wine. Ooh, I want to know this god. Um, what's the first letter, Sam? Starts with a D. Davina. So I have Dionys. 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 That sounds right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I assume they're right. But anyways, Brandon, I'm proud of you because that was that's a lot tougher than the Roman one. I'll tell you that. <clears throat> At least the Roman one, we have a lot of planets named after, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're the most uh, recent world conqueror. Greece is old mm-hmm. news. <laughs> All right, Brandon. So I have some exciting news. Our episode today is a lady. Oh, <laughs> I know, far and few between, but the the women uh, mobsters are the most interesting. <laughs> so and, and they are capable of crime too. Oh yeah. And this one is a little more uh, out west, kind of uh, outlaw type one. 
So we are going to do Pearl Hart, a.k.a. The Lady Bandit. <laughs> oh! Yeah, that's right. Give it up for the Lady Bandit. Mm-hmm. Clap them out, folks. Let's go. <laughs> well, Brandon, I didn't do my best job because I don't have her birth date. But I will oh. tell you where she was born. So I dropped the ball halfway. But Pearl Taylor, her maiden name, was from a French family born in Lindsay, Ontario, Canada. Canada, eh? (laughs) They're blood up there, right? (laughs) Um, She was one of several children brought up in a respectable middle-class family and received a good education. Don't come across that every day in our episode. (laughs) Hey, it's, it's rare sometimes. That's right. Though she couldn't have known it, her life would take a turn for the worse when she fell for a swaggering, seductive gambler named Frederick Hart at the age of 17. <laughs> Seductive. First, you know what? This sounds like the classic, let's blame the man on our decisions here. <laughs> I think this should be the next movie. Let's, call let's just admit one. that she was into the bad type, all right? The bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 17, you know, so that's when we're making our best decisions at the time. We all made smart decisions at 17, <laughs> folks. So uh, Pearl Hart... Soon eloped, or sorry, she was Pearl Taylor, but she eloped and became Pearl Hart and sometimes worked as a bartender, but more often lost whatever money uh, she had made or her husband had made uh, because of um, he was a heavy drinker and his uh, gaming tables, gambling. Uh, So he just ended up being a poor provider for his wife. And he also, with his heavy drinking, he became abusive. So whatever dreams Pearl might have had with Fred, she was disappointed. And her life uh, with him proved to be really, really tough. Now, things change. 1893, the couple traveled to the Columbian Exposition in Chicago, Illinois. Brandon, I have never heard of the Columbian Exposition before. So I have to ask, what is the Columbian Exposition? (laughs) Besides well, Sam, 1492. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam, you and I know that's why I'm here. Um, right. Also, I uh, did a quick Google on the birth date of Pearl, and it's 1871. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. So, picking up my slack. Hey, you know, we're a team for a reason. So, the World's Columbian Exposition. It was nicknamed the White City because of what they did to the buildings, but it was held in Chicago in 1893 to celebrate the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus' arrival in the New World. Brandon, so, can you imagine? Can you imagine that happening uh, today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I'm not sure if there was one for the 500th anniversary. Let's put it that way. <laughs> not Columbus Day is not as popular as it used to be, folks, for many reasons. And uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So. It was planned to spread over 686 acres of Chicago, which is just mind blowing about how big that is. And That's so, huge. yes, in this period of time, there's a lot of exciting things happening from a technological standpoint in the United States and around. A few inventions debuted, debuted there, including the Ferris wheel. So, everybody's thinking of their first teenage foray. On a Ferris wheel. Brandon, isn't that where you had Ferris. your first kiss? The Ferris wheel? <laughs> it was not. But Hannah did celebrate. My wife did celebrate her graduation on a Ferris wheel. Get out of here. <laughs> Thank you, COVID. And also another exciting invention that was 
one of the first times it was held in the United States was electricity. Now, electricity was invented in 1889, but it kind of showed up in the United States for the first time in 1893. Mm -hmm. And then another fun thing, if you really want to freak out on it, was the generator power to them. Uh, George Westinghouse used that, and that's what largely influenced electricity. But this, just to give you some numbers, folks. Oh, sorry, mm -hmm. what were you saying, Sam? I was just going to say this feels like a Las Vegas uh, kind of uh, trade show situation, but in the 1800s. It is, and it's kind of crazy because it was showing so much new technological advancements, folks. I mean, that's kind of like us hearing about AI for the first time or self-driving cars. I mean, it was that groundbreaking for the time. Um, just to give you guys some spectrum of how popular this was. So at this time in 1890, the U.S. Census was just around 63 million people living in the United States. And there was between 27 and 28 million people visited this while it was going on. Um, so, Brandon, during the Columbian Exposition, Pearl found several odd jobs. It sounds like they went there for work. And Fred mm. worked as a sideshow barker. What's a sideshow barker? Oh, excellent. So a sideshow barker is a person who attempts to attract patrons to an entertainment event, such as a circus or, in this case, the World Exposition. So like an uh, uh, annoying announcer. <laughs> yeah, and they'll sometimes show like a little like a little sneak peek, you know, a trailer of what's going on inside, too. Sounds like someone who's in sales. You got to hate those type of people, right? <laughs> you know, I was thinking I'd probably enjoy that job. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, so you both, would uh, do that. <laughs> I could see you at the fair yelling out, you know. <laughs> Step, Step right up. up. <laughs> see the famous world Ferris wheel in action. So while she was there, she became enthralled with the Wild West shows, which makes sense. That'd be a thing at the time. And she was especially uh, enamored by Annie Oakley, which is what I like to call my fiance because uh, she has a good shot. A good shot. So Annie Oakley. <laughs> A little bit different to stop, folks. <laughs> um, so Annie Oakley would perform, and this was also during a time when the World's Fair Women's Pavilion was going on. So there was women's speeches and such. So some historians will look at Pearl Hart as kind of almost a feminist. We'll let you all decide at the end of this, you know, how much you want to say feminist slash criminal. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, she, she took her own in whatever industry. She's very enterprising. Yep. So inspired by seeing strong women in the Heroes and Legends of the Wild West, she mustered the courage to leave her husband <laughs> and boarded a train to Colorado. There be she became a popular saloon singer. However, she soon found out that she was pregnant with Frederick's child. So she returned to her family in Canada. After giving birth to a son, she left that child with her mother and traveled west again. So she's winning a... Mother of the Year Award. And uh, she ended up staying in Phoenix, Arizona. She was disappointed in the West, not finding the glamour and the heroes she saw from, you know, or that she she uh, expected. And so she ended up working as a cook in a cafe and uh, taking in laundry to supplement her income. However, in 1895, her estranged husband, Frederick, caught up with her. After begging Pearl to come back, Pearl, please come back. Please, I'll change. <laughs> uh, they came back and promised to get a regular job. So the couple reunited, and true to his word, Fred did get a job working as a manager and bartender at a local hotel. While wow. there, life seemed to be happier. 
the pair also began to live a little, little wild at times. They were frequenting saloons and gambling parlors. Pearl learned to smoke and drink and used some harsher drugs such as, mar- such as marijuana and morphine. So, you know, as, as most women do. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, the couple's marital problems started up again. I can't figure out why. <laughs> and uh, after Pearl gave birth to a second child, a daughter, Fred said he was bored with domestic life and he was uh, tired of supporting his family. After a violent argument between the two, Fred knocked Pearl unconscious and left her to ride off uh, and left her. He ended up riding with the Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. We'll have to talk about that another time because that's that seems uh, I'd like to talk about the Rough Riders more. You probably know a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. But a different day. Different day, different day. <clears throat> so um, Pearl once again returned to her parents, got a taste of life in the West, didn't stay long. Uh, she moved back to Arizona. And so she's mov- She's a mover. She's a mover. And mm-hmm. uh, had several attempts at taking her own life. By 1899, she had hooked up with uh, a minor, not like a minor, like a child, like an actual minor. <laughs> so oh. <only> minor. <laughs> just, just for clarification. That's uh, a named, good clarification. Yeah, There's a guy named Joe Boot. When she received a letter from her brother that her mother was ill and she needed money for medical bills, Joe Boot gave her advice. He said that they should start robbing a train. <laughs> so okay. this is a way to get quick cash, obviously. Such a great idea. <laughs> so after careful planning, the couple decided to rob a stagecoach between Florence and Globe, Arizona. Pearl cut off her hair and dressed in Joe's clothing to get ready for the heist. Uh, They carried out the plan and jumping in front of the stage with their guns drawn and ordered the driver to stop. Joe kept his gun pointed at the driver. Pearl ushered the passengers out and had them empty their pockets and their wallets. They took about $450 and a revolver uh, and uh, and then they uh, took off. So, but all their planning, the couple hadn't prepared for the unfamiliar desert hills. Riding off their on their horses, they soon got lost. <laughs> that's that's oh, a bummer. <laughs> After a couple days, the couple made camp in an uh, area. They built a campfire. They fell asleep. Sometime later, they awoke, and they were surrounded by the sheriff and his men. They were taken to the Globe Jail. Hart played up her part as the lady bandit. She became famous from the newspapers, was giving autographs. I mean, she was really living it up. A few weeks after her capture, Pearl escaped from jail with another prisoner by the name Ed Hogan. Uh, they were quickly pursued. Pearl's legend grew throughout the West, but her freedom was short as the law soon found her and jailed her again. During trial, Brandon, during trial, Pearl Hart took a feminist approach. This is where we get in the feminist area. <laughs> got it. She used her charm and she told the jury that she got caught with unlawfully carrying a gun. And they shouldn't be putting her, you know, in prison. And she kind of became a celebrity. The warden liked the attention, too, which I feel like we heard about that with um, John Dillinger and such. There was a little bit of that Mm. fame, too. So she was in prison for 18 months in Yuma. uh, And then she was released. She then moved to Kansas City. And her fame definitely faded away. She was arrested a few times, but she kind of left kind of lived the rest of her life pretty quietly. A lot of people don't even know really what happened to her. Uh, they they believe uh, she just kind of lived the rest of her life and finally died. Uh, she, they, a lot of people 
give her credit as the only woman to rob a stagecoach and the last bandit to rob a stagecoach. But that has been uh, denied, or that has been found not true. But that's why she was kind of has her fame, claim to fame, I guess. So, what well, that'll be interesting. We'll have to look up sometime, Brandon, who was the last and what other woman did stagecoaches. But, you know, whatever the newspaper says. <laughs> it's interesting that she robbed a train and stagecoach. And then, I mean, she just kind of faded away, like you were saying. She didn't die a violent death or something like that. Well, most of her mobsters go back to life of crime. I feel like she just kind of had that one quick, uh, and it was big, but one big, quick thing. And after that, she kind of went to normal. And I think she thought her fame was going to continue, but it just didn't. It was just kind of uh, a quick, quick trend. <laughs> well, that's kind of the end of an era, too. Like, I mean, you're getting to this time mm-hmm. where you're not really robbing stagecoaches or trains anymore. Mm-hmm, for sure. So. Folks, thanks for listening. Please tell everybody to subscribe. We're climbing up the numbers. We're climbing up. (laughs) Um, I'm your co-host, Sam Bren. And this is Brandon Ellis, folks. Signing off.